scores! Gilmore scores! Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing to Yell, a shot. Save made by Al Aguila. Three bounds, another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. All right, let's get it going on a Friday. Happy Friday. Happy St. Patrick's Day. It's March 17th, 2023. We're underway. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Vickers and Steinberg from the Sportsnet 960 Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Top of the morning to you, Vickers. Afternoon. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, so here is the bill of goods I was selling on Thursday going into Calgary's game against the Vegas Golden Okay. Knights. And this bill of goods was not being uh, was not being bought by many on our text line. Was not being necessarily bought in high quantities by Wes Gilbertson, who was sitting across from me in your seat on Thursday. But this is what I was attempting to sell to uh, balance the healthy dose of negativity we've gotten talking flames for the last little while. So my my kind of line was, or my my theme was, the Flames go into Vegas on Thursday night, take their first ever win at T-Mobile Arena and beat the Golden Knights, they would be 4-1-1 in a six-game span, and that loss in Arizona would feel a whole lot, lot, whole lot less hollow, and maybe it would feel a little bit more like a point gained as opposed to a point lost. Maybe it would feel a whole lot more like you got an important point against Arizona as opposed to pissing away another game against a bad team. Well, they win in Vegas... Now they have nine of a possible 12 points in their last six games. 4-1-1 one, and one is the pace they're going to need to keep up if they're going to want to be a playoff team when it's all said and done. So I tried to sell that to Wes, and he was kind of lukewarm buying. He's like, yeah, you know what? I'll wait till the price goes down. And the text line was not. I got a lot of stop selling false hope. I got a lot of stop lying to us. I got a lot of, no, we're not buying it, Steinberg. So... After being accused of being a snake oil salesman going into the game on Thursday, they win in Vegas. Do you, do you, Mr. Vickers, feel any differently coming out of the win over the Golden Knights on Thursday as you did going in? Do you feel any differently about where the Flames sit on this Friday as opposed to the last time we talked on Wednesday? That is a... Uh, oof. You know what? I'm probably buying more than our, our good buddy Wes Gilbertson, certainly more than the text line, but I still don't necessarily mean that I'm buying the whole thing. Maybe just break me off a sample. Not, don't give me the whole thing. If you can sell it in bulk and I can just fill the bag just a little bit, because as it stands now, they're within three points of the Winnipeg Jets and they still have one, one game head-to-head against the Jets. Correct. So that can conceivably close the gap to one with even games played. But we still have to factor in the Nashville Predators and all this, who sit one back of the Flames with three games at hand. So you've got to assume at least at some point they're going to at least draw even and make this a three-horse race. It already is a three-horse race. But just amplify it and complicate things further. And by buying them, making the playoffs more on Friday, 
than I did on Thursday at about the same time. I think you have to simply because everything went right for the Calgary Flames on Thursday. They win. Nobody else moves up. Nobody else gains points. It's a pure two-point gain for the Calgary Flames in this sense. There's reason to be more optimistic. It's up to you to determine how much more optimistic you'll be. I uh, this is This is where I sit. I really don't feel any differently than I did because when we spoke on Wednesday after the Arizona game, yes, or even going back to we was it uh, who was in on Monday? I think Wes was in on Monday. Um, and that handsome devil, the handsome devil, Wes was in on Monday, and I think I was basically over the last little bit. I felt like they've got an uphill climb, but everything is still on the table. That's kind of been my line on the post-game shows or in the afternoons is, yep, climb remains uphill, but as of right now, everything is still on the table. Everything is still there for the taking. And here we are after a big win over Vegas, and I feel the exact same thing. And I feel like everything is still on the table for them, but the climb remains uphill. So I'm just, I, I guess I feel slightly more optimistic, and I, I think that I've been trying to sell the optimism uh, more than perhaps the text line is wanting to buy. Uh, and I've, I've been trying to push optimism just to balance the conversation because it has been such a negative year in so many different ways. And understandably so, I don't think being skeptical, pessimistic, or negative about the 69 games they've played so far is, is I don't think you're off base. I don't think you're being a poor fan. Um, and I, I, I would say this to some of the some of the texts or even the one call that came in following Thursday's game about, yeah, Flames fans, stop riding the roller coaster. You're either with them or... No. As a fan of a team, I would much rather you ride the roller coaster and be super emotional one way after losses and super emotional another way after wins than be apathetic. It, what... what it's way better to have passion and it's way better to have emotion and it's way better to have people bought in and riding the roller coaster than not caring. So uh, I don't, I'm not critical at all. If you're thinking on Friday, Oh, we're back in it. Let's do it. I've got hope again. And after when, uh, after, after Tuesday's game, you were like, no, this is done. These guys are just, I'm not going to be critical at all because that's been the type of season it is. They have sucked you back in multiple times and they've spit you out multiple times uh, when it comes to some of the frustrating losses. So I don't think you should be criticized at all for kind of riding that roller coaster or being in and out and in and out. I don't think you should be. I, I got no criticism at all because that's the type of season it's been. Having said that, we've seen this show multiple times over the last decade for a Calgary Flames bubble team putting stretches together. For sure. O- only to finish, you know, two points back, three points back, getting a worse draft pick. To quote Matt and Cochran on the text line, quoting Morgan Freeman, Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. But that's what sports is supposed to do to you. You are supposed to ride that roller coaster. You are supposed to feel the highest of highs and the lowest of lows okay, on now, this journey. Okay, what movie is that from? I have no idea, oh, but it was a great on. quote. That's Shawshank all day. This, come well, I mean, I, I could have guessed that. That seemed like the obvious one. And I have seen Shaw, Shawshank. I only saw Shawshank for the first time like a year and a half ago. And I still know that's from Shawshank. You better mark down Friday, March 17th with a pop culture reference that you got that I didn't. Yeah, it says the guy who's not even wearing green today. I mean, I'm not even going to make the pinch Some joke. So. Spoil sport you are. Eh. 
I'll still drink the green beer. That makes it better, doesn't it? Yes, you will. Okay. Flame, Flames fans. <laughs> that sounded like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you will. And I'll watch you. How, uh, how are you feeling, text line? How are you feeling, Flames Talk listener? How are you feeling, friend of the program? Uh, I like that better. You know, it's a friend of the program. I don't want to call you listener. I don't want to call you text line. I want to call you friend of the program if you're listening either online, uh, on radio, or uh, on demand on the podcast. How are you feeling? Are you feeling any differently? Is your optimism level higher? Uh, are you, as Wedley says, Pat, no joy or optimism allowed to sign George. George was uh, the, bu- he was Buzz Killington the third uh, as our first call I on got Thursday. That reference. Nice. I like it. He was uh, like, it was, Pat, these guys are trolls. I can't believe they're doing this. This is John. <laughs> How like, dare they try to make the playoffs? Like, Dude, they just pounded the Vegas Golden Knights. Like, they're within three. Like, we can be a little bit more positive than this. And the it's conference George. leading Vegas Golden Knights. It's George, and so I, I I give him a harder time than I do non-regular callers, just because he's such a he's such a regular and he's such a part of the program that uh, I, I've got a little bit more leeway with him, and I know I won't offend him, all that type of stuff. But there is a, a group of fans that I get it. They're like, stop doing this. I don't want to buy in this time, and I don't want to. I don't want to get hurt again. I, I fully get it, but I am very curious as to if if you're listening right now, how are you feeling? Do you feel any different? Uh, at 960, 960, because everything did go according to plan. If your plan, if your desired outcome is them making the playoffs, Jets lost in regulation. Predators got upset by a spoil sports Chicago team that's knocking off good teams left and right right now. And the Flames win their game. The gap down to three, as you mentioned. Money Puck bumped them 18% or so on their playoff chances with what happened on Friday. And the Jets fell about the same. Uh, Jets were in the 70 range, 79 range, and they're down to 58 on Friday. The Flames were in the 21 range, and they're up to 39-ish when it comes to Money Puck's um, playoff projections. You asked me how I felt after the win. I don't feel 18% better, I can tell you that much. That no? seems a little optimistic to me, but at the same time, the situation is what it is. You got one more head-to-head, and you're only three back. You close that off. Now, if you don't win that head-to-head, that's that's the one game you need to take care of more than any other one. I mean, that's captain obvious right there, but this isn't as big a mountain as it was before. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Is that the old cliche slash terrible phrase, but four, one and one in the last six, as you mentioned, they're Is starting that to do a it. Phrase? I don't know. You've never heard that. No, never. Not, not once in my life. Have I ever uh, heard that. I'm going to have to Google in the break, make sure I got it right. But I'm pretty sure that that's a thing. Not okay. that, not that eating elephants is a thing, okay. but the phrase itself. All right. So, like, can I just say any line of sentence? I, I actually, say that's a saying? I actually hope you will. Like, Mad Libs, this. You know what they say about Granny Smith apples? If they don't roll straight, it means your day is going to be bad. Like, is that an old saying? I don't know. I I just made that up. You could you could have just made that up right now. I don't know. Did you pick Granny Smith because those are green and it's St. Patrick's Day? Yeah, absolutely. That is one thousand percent my. You're, line of- you're two thousand and next, buddy. You got it going today. I also think Granny Smith apples are the worst of all the apples. Oh, we're not going to do an apple ranking today, but you, sir, are so wrong. No, I think that my apple rankings would be so lambasted and reviled that I'm not even going to go. Quick, though, what's your number one? Red Delicious all day. Okay. Yeah. And I think most people are like, Red Delicious. They're so good. I don't even, I'll, I'll eat an apple maybe twice a year. But they'll only be red delicious. Um, let's read a few texts. Uh, well, before we jump into the text line, just let me offer you this for perspective. 
So here we are, March 17th. One week ago, when we were uh, when we were doing this show, we were at the Scotiabank Saddledome getting ready for Calgary and Anaheim. The Flames would lose that night. Yes. And I believe the Jets won that night. But exactly seven days ago, when we were talking, the Flames were four points out of a playoff spot. A lot has happened in the last week. Now they're three points out of a playoff spot. So how many weeks are left, Pat? <laughs> I believe there's uh, three and a half weeks to go in the season now. So what you're saying is they need to pick up the pace slightly on that. No, not necessarily. I'm just saying that 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 it's more just a perspective in that this week was full of like, they're like, oh my God, they're this, oh, they just lost to Arizona. They lost. And now they've actually gained a point. It's only one point. It's not like they were nine out and now they're three out. But one week ago, they were four out before the Anaheim game. One week later, after a win in Vegas, they're three out. I'm so confused. Are you trying to sell me on the their odds of making it, that they're, they're going to make it? Or are you trying to tell me information where they're not? Or are you just being a neutral arbitrator here and laying out the facts? I'm just adding a little perspective that they have gained ground in the last week, but they haven't gained ground that it's not like they significant. They've not moved continents. They've, you know, maybe they've moved some steps. That's all. They had a bite. Yeah, exactly. One, one small bite out of the apple. Uh, Kevin in St. Albert does not like that saying, by no. the way, eat an elephant one bite at a time is a horrible saying. Why are we eating elephants? By the way, I don't know. Beautiful, majestic Look, creatures. Google auto filled the rest of that phrase for me. It's okay. gotta be a thing. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong. Uh, Daryl says, I expect the flames to be 500 the rest of the season. Like they have been all year. I haven't seen anything that'll convince me. This is a different team. All of a sudden it's just not their year. Oh, and red delicious is the only correct answer. I like that. Mm. Daryl. Um, I, and look, I get that. I don't think you're being overly pessimistic. I don't think you're being overly negative. If that's the way that you're thinking, right? I get it. It's been that type of year. Uh, Aaron and Calgary, Eric and Calgary rather says granny Smith's are for pies and nothing else. Agreed. Um, Kim and Cressmont says, Pat, I just take it game by game. Only when the Flames win do I check the standings. Otherwise, I don't look. I feel exactly the same as I did five games ago. That's very fair. Uh, this reads, that was a scheduled loss for Vegas after a five-game road trip. I don't think that win should make anyone that excited. A win's a win at this point, and the Calgary Flames can't afford too many losses. So I, I, won't, I won't squash the value of that win. Doesn't matter. How many times have we seen them lose to a sub-500 team in a game they have to have? Well, many this times. was a game they had to have, and they got it, so just take the two points. Uh, I like Jeff's new name for himself. You know what? Jim Rome says you can't self-gloss yourself, but in this case, I will let Jeff do it. He says, uh, from Jeff Bridge in Lethbridge, uh, if the Flames go 8-3-2 and two for the rest of the season, they'll still end up with 94 points and miss by a point. I hate to say it, but the fat lady's well into her singing. Um Okay, I I don't I, I, I don't, don't think she's taking the stage yet. I think she might be warming up, but I don't think she's on stage. And I, I don't I don't really know if if like I I can maybe ninety four misses, maybe ninety four doesn't. I don't know what the hell Winnipeg and Nashville are going to do. I buy I, I buy almost zero into Calgary strength to schedule statistics because of how up and down they've been and how many times they've lost to bad teams. But what I do buy into is Nashville's strength of schedule, which I believe is the second hardest yes. between here and the end of the season. And Winnipeg's is, I think... Uh, Somewhere in the middle of the pack, yeah, isn't it? kind of 13-14 range. So I buy zero into Calgary's strength of schedule, but I do buy a lot into Nashville's strength of schedule. With that roster, after all that they traded away, three games in hand or not, they've got a tough road still. Um so I don't know. Like, I know the projections are 95-96, 
94 might do it depending on how the Jets continue to play. If they continue scuffling, it might change the projections a little bit. Or Nashville could get to 94 and claim the second wild card. Also, Nashville could as well. Uh, I, sorry, I just remember how harsh I was to them right around the trade deadline and just after where they sold off uh, Niederreiter, Grandland, Eckholm. And I'm like, you can just, yeah, they're there, but don't count on them being there. Whew, I'm going to wear that L for the next two weeks until then they fall off. But for know. now, good on them. They just lost to Chicago, so. Hey, let's not throw stones here, Patrick. Fair. Uh, Bread says, if they beat Dallas, I will drink the Kool-Aid. This says, at this point, I fall into the I'll see it when I believe it category. The Flames are likely just going to miss out on the playoffs by a single point and crush our hearts. I suppose if the Jets and Preds can continue to lose to the Blackhawks of the world, then the Flames will continue to have hope. Uh, This says, feeling optimistic. Uh, this says the Jets have only won four of their last 15. That's the single biggest reason the race is not over. There's just a little bit on the text line at 960, 960. Um, so that's where things stand on the playoff front for the Flames. Read a few more texts as the hour continues. Before we, uh, before we get to the round table this hour, though, I, I did want to spend some time on Tyler Toffoli again. Look. He's having a hell of a year. Four more points on Thursday. Ties a career high in points per game. He's now set a new career high in points in a season. Uh, On his third point of the night in Vegas, he hit 59, which was a new career high. He's now up to 60, which is a new career high. His prior was 58 in the 2015-16 season with the Kings. We have been pumping this guy's tires on this show all year long for good reason because he's been great all year long. He has been one of Calgary's best players, most consistent players from start to finish. There's only a few other guys that you could put in the same conversation as to Foley in terms of their consistency and in terms of how well they've played from start until where we are now. So he has deserved every single bit of tire pumping we've done, I believe. But I just, I really loved hearing him talk on Thursday when he spoke post game in Vegas. So he gets four points, two goals, two assists. He sets a new career high in points, 13 games to go. He's on pace for over 70 for the first time ever. Um, But what I didn't know was that it sure does sound like Tyler's been playing with a chip on his shoulder all year long, and I didn't know that. I thought this was really interesting listening to Toffoli speak to the media postgame on Thursday. It was our buddy Eric Francis who asked him just, hey, new career high in points, uh, and then follows up. Listen, listen to Tyler Toffoli here. Uh, this was really interesting on Thursday night. Obviously things have um, been you know pretty good, and you know, I've been you know pretty consistent. And, um, you know, I came to the season wanting uh, to prove something, and um, I'm trying everything I can to, to help the team win games, and um, you know tonight was was obviously a good night. You say to prove something, just prove that you're a top line player in this league. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I am, but other people tend are thought differently, and um, you know what? I've kind of done that throughout my whole career. People have always kind of doubted me um, at times, and uh, I've I've rose to the occasion occasion and. Uh, you know, I just want to keep going and uh, get in the playoffs and make some noise. And maybe, uh, maybe he heard the the calls or the texts or the tweets that Toffoli isn't a top line player. Maybe he heard the this guy can't play on the the top uh, the top line right side, and they need to put somebody else there instead of Toffoli. Maybe he heard that stuff. I don't know, but he's on pace for seventy one points. 
He's at four and a half million bucks, so he's given them incredible value. This guy has been great all year long, and I just found that really interesting. That on top of all of the the stuff that we've talked about this year, you know, there's been a little bit of uh, there's been a little. It, it feels like anyway, he's had a bit of a I want to jam it down some throats type attitude this year. Well, that's the only way I can interpret it because he was the heir apparent to the top line right wing spot. Now, for me, Tyler Toffoli has always basically been a 25 goal, 55 point set and forget winger. So for a guy that does that perennially, whether he actually plays the full 82 or, or it's prorated, but to me, he was like, this is what the expectation for Tyler Toffoli is. Now, I don't know if it's necessarily setting a new career high in this stat or in that stat. He's only three off from tying his. Uh, single season for goals at 31 set in that same season you mentioned. But I never looked at Tyler Toffoli and went, that's a guy that has a chip on his shoulder. So I was very curious to hear and listen to that. Have to prove something. People doubted me. I don't think they necessarily doubted the 25-55. I wonder if that comes from, again, you lose your top two scores. We each had over 100 points, 40 goals. So be it. And now you're the guy elevated to replace that spot. Yeah, I can see how it'd be motivating if you go from Matthew Kachuk, who had over 100 points, and now you're sliding in Tyler Toffoli and people going, well, that's a downgrade. Well, Tyler Toffoli, at least statistically, has been your best forward, and there's definitely an argument to be made um, outside of statistics. He has been as well. So to hear him say that, that's that's a very curious statement post-game in that conversation with Eric Francis. I love it. Like uh, I'm all for that stuff. And uh, I uh, earlier on Friday uh, on the Hockey Central podcast and, and on Haley's Hockey Central Hour, she asked, what's different or is there anything different with Toffoli this year? And this, I don't think there is. No. It, I, I just think for the first time really ever, and it's not like he hasn't been a top six player again. He was clearly a top six guy in Montreal. He was a top six guy in that short period of time with Vancouver. Um, he's been in a top six role at different times on a deep LA team, but he went into a season as the bonafide, no questions asked top line, right winger on a hockey team. And he has been for the entire season. So I think what we're seeing from Toffoli, the finish, he's always been a good finisher. He's always been a, a a guy that can finish from the outside and an in close the details and the two way play has always been his strength because he thinks it at such a high level. But now he's in a more elevated role, so he's doing all the things that has made him uh, a good NHLer for the last decade, but now he's doing it for the first time in the most elevated role he's ever had, so the points are following along with it. I don't think there's anything different in Toffoli's game. He's a damn good player. He always has been a really good player, and now his role is just higher than it's ever been. That's that's my hypothesis anyway. I mean, I can't disagree. I can't poke holes in your argument. To me, he's always been a top six player. When you're trading a first round pick and a prospect to the Montreal Canadiens, you're expecting to get a top six player back. And now he's not in a top six role. He's in the top line role. He is the guy that is most visible on that top line in terms of, okay, well, here's your spot now producing it. And he's done that. He leads the team in goals and points. Like what hasn't he done? He's done everything asked of him. Sure. He's not going to hit a hundred points but setting a new career high in points, setting mm-hmm. a new career high in goals, which he's on pace for. I mean, I don't know what more he could ask out of Tyler Toffoli. He's delivered. Yep. Uh, a few texts. 960-960 to uh, wrap up before we hit 
the round table. First of all, a few people have come to your rescue about the yeah. elephant saying, I've never heard it before. I don't ever want to hear it again. Um, but uh, I did like this text. It says, uh, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. A well-known phrase. And it's how you eat anything. <laughs> point. Uh, I don't know. I ate my sushi rolls whole. That's fair. Mike in Vancouver says, Pat, playoff race. is a Flames fan. Who are we cheering for on Saturday as the Jets play the Preds? Not a three-pointer. That's yeah, all think, you're cheering think, for. And I think you're probably cheering for Nashville because Winnipeg's the team that you ultimately need to chase down. And I think Nashville has the toughest road to get there. So I'd say you're cheering for the Preds to win in regulation would be what well, I would say. Let's say hypothetically. Don't give me hypothetically. You're chasing a team. <laughs> they have one more point than you and they have two games at hand. Is that more dangerous than just being three back at even? Because their opportunity to, you know, expand well, they, they that role. Three games in hand. Well, they'd be playing that one game though. Well, we're just Calgary plays on Saturday. Yeah, but too. we're just we're focusing on one game, okay. not the other. All right. All right. You're taking this hypothetical really literally right now, Patrick. Yes. Y- you know I'm angry when I, I say Patrick. Um, I still think you want Winni- Winnipeg to lose in regulation. I think you want some first first prerequisite is regulation game. Yes. Then we can talk about who you'd yeah, rather agreed. see leave. Agree. Lose. Pardon me. Uh, this says at this point, the best thing for the organization is to get the highest draft pick possible. Chris and Calgary says the interesting part is that I feel like this is a playoff built team. So if they, by some miracle sneak in, they might actually have a better playoff roster than last year. Um, this says, um, what else we got here at 969.60? Aaron and Calgary says the Dallas game will dictate where the team's at. Too many times we've seen them follow up a fantastic game with an absolute dud. What no a great point that. with a great name. Uh, and it's a good name. Uh, did the Jets and Flames have the same number of games played last Friday? No, uh, Jets had one fewer game played last Friday. They're even games, so the Flames have gained a point, and they've evened out the games, which is another step forward in that respect. Great stuff on the text line so far on this Friday. This hour is underway. It's Steinberg and Vickers along with you. Uh, the Soundtrack Music Festival coming to Edmonton on Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th. It'll be taking place at Kinsman Park in Edmonton, and and your lineup for uh, people of the millennial age range like you and I, uh, it is uh, it is outstanding. Nelly, Third Eye Blind, T.I., Ashanti, Everclear, and more all at the Soundtrack Music Festival in June. If you're interested, if you're a millennial, or if you're just, if you like the music, go to SoundtrackMusicFestival.ca. One more time, that's SoundtrackMusicFestival.ca. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite. NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Everywhere. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time for a Friday edition of your Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Steinberg, Aaron Vickers, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. Gents, uh, Flames win in Vegas, and they do so with a new-look lineup. Uh, And surprisingly to many... Prior to the 7-2 win on Thursday, Jacob Pelche and Walker Dewar come out of the lineup to facilitate the return of Nick Ritchie 
and Adam Rizichka. Guys, would you bring back Pelche and or Dewar and or both for Saturday's home game against the Stars? I would bring back both. Uh, and normally after a win, especially after a big 7-2 win on the road in a building that the team had never won in against the Pacific Division and Western Conference leading Golden Knights, I would suggest sticking with the same lineup. But I didn't really like the third and fourth lines in last night's game. I didn't like how they looked before the game and uh, wasn't uh, all that fond of them during or after the game. So, yeah, I would bring the uh, two rookies back into the lineup. So if you want to leave the top six the same tomorrow night against the Stars, here's what I would do. I would go Peltier with Kadri and Dubé, and then I would go Ruzitska with Lewis and Dewar. So that leaves a couple of veteran players in Milan Lucic and Nick Ritchie out. Taking a look at Lucic's ice time, he's played less than 10 minutes in four of the last five games. So when you look at what Jacob Pelche and Walker Dewar have been able to do, and in Pelche's case, he's been earning more and more ice time. He's averaged 14 minutes and 18 seconds. And even Walker Dewar is at 10 minutes on the nose. So if you can get 10, 11, 12 minutes out of your fourth line. I think that's a good number to shoot for. And in Pelche's case, you can get a lot more than that. And you can play him in your top nine. So I know they're coming off a big win, one of their biggest so far this season. And uh, the coach is probably tempted to stick with the same guys, but I'd like to see some changes to the third and fourth lines tomorrow. Yeah, after a big win, I can definitely see that temptation of just rolling out the same 12 forwards in the same configuration. But, Wilsey, I'm kind of with you and... If there was a message to be sent to Walker Dewar and Jacob Pelche, I think it was delivered. And even if there was uh, a message to be had for Nazem Kadri placing him on what I would consider the fourth line for the Calgary Flames, then that message must have been received as well. And I like the idea of bringing back Walker Dewar, and I like the idea of bringing back Jacob Pelche and reforming that bottom six. One of those strengths of the Calgary Flames I felt before the lineup shuffle was the fact that they could roll out three lines at about the equal ice time, and you get a little bit varying degrees of success or performance out of them, but you know, for the most part, a couple of them are at least going to click. Well, with the configuration, there's probably about 15 other line combinations you could have presented to me other than what was rolled out against the Vegas Golden Knights, and I would have taken them over what we saw. Now, I'm not a head coach, and the result was a 7-2 win, a very convincing win, as you mentioned, Wilsey, first win in Vegas in franchise history, as funny as it is. But I'm with you. I uh, I find a way to get Pelche and Dewar back into the lineup, and I reconfigure that bottom six to, from my perspective, make it a bit more effective. Yeah, I uh, I I will. Uh, I'll just echo it. I think that uh, I don't think either of Pelche or Dewar played themselves out of the lineup. If you wanted to get Rizicka back in, I get it. And I thought Adam played pretty well for the most part in his first game in a while. But yeah, I would uh, I would look at a way to get those two guys back in. And you know, um, I didn't mind that line with uh, Ruzicka and Dubé on it. I thought Richie was kind of meh on it, didn't do a whole lot. But the line itself was generally pretty effective, and Richie was on that line. But yeah, I just I think Pelche has has brought something that this team doesn't have on a regular basis in their lineup, and I think the Doer has done the same thing. So. Okay, you made the changes for one game. You beat Vegas 7-2. I don't think you have to always set st stick with the same lineup just because you won. So, yeah, I would. I would uh, I'd get them both back in. 
and maybe changing the lineup again will keep everybody on their toes and help the Flames avoid a letdown. And they've had a lot of letdowns after big wins this season. You think it might be a win that could springboard them to bigger and better things and they take one or two steps forward and then take a step back. And they have to stop doing that between now and the end of the regular season if they want to get back to the playoffs. And I know the Milan Lucic one is a, a tough one, probably more so for the head coach than for the fans, but I understand where he's coming from. You know, Lucic is a veteran player. He's a really important person inside of the dressing room. And I still think he has something to offer as a player on the ice. But when I look at the last time he was a healthy scratch, he played 5-16 and 5-02 in the two games prior to being a healthy scratch for three games, and then came back and played no less than 11 minutes and 48 seconds in 13 straight games. So I think it was an opportunity for him to, to recharge both mis uh, mentally and physically, and he came back a better player. So uh, I think you could actually potentially get more out of Milan Lucic if you do give him a game or two or three off. It, it worked earlier this season, but... You know, the, the top two lines last night, you could make a strong case that they should stay together. Obviously, the new look first line with Elias Lindholm between Andrew Mangiapane and Tyler Toffoli had a hell of a night. Uh, they had seven points and a plus 12 rating between them. So I would probably have a hard time breaking up that line. And uh, for me, it's just about the, the third and fourth lines. And we'll see. Uh, wouldn't shock me if Sutter stuck with the same lineup, but uh, also wouldn't surprise me if, if he did uh, mix things up a little bit against the Stars. Yeah, and... Back when Dylan Dubé was, I don't want to say demoted to the fourth line, but moved back to the middle and played behind Calgary's top three centers, I was curious at the time whether or not we might see a combination of he, Rizichka, and Walker Dewar, because I think those three together are pretty intriguing to me now, whether or not Rizichka is your center or your left wing or Dubé's center or left wing. I'd be curious to see that combination, and more specifically just Dubé and Dewar together, just be given... They have the ability to play straight lines, pucks in deep. They can play with pace. I'd be curious about that combination. To circle back to the original question, would you roll out the same lineup? I wouldn't, and I'd have to look around to see what I'd have to do to my other line in order to make Dubé, Rizizka, Dewar uh, a thing. But I definitely bring back Dewar, and I definitely find a spot for Peltier. And guys, I didn't yeah. love Jonathan Huberto playing with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman. Now, it was one game. Uh, small sample size, maybe it will work better moving forward, but I wouldn't hate it if they swapped him and Andrew Mangiapane either. Call me crazy for suggesting that it might be a good idea to break up a line that had seven points and was plus 12 last night, but I'd like to get another look at Jonathan Huberto with Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli. You've got your best passer and your two best shooters on that line, so I think it makes sense on paper. The only thing I worry about with those three guys together is uh, a little bit of a lack of pace, so We'll see. Uh, it'll be another fascinating uh, morning if they do a full skate tomorrow. If not, uh, we'll have to look forward to warm-up to see what the lines and pairings look like. Uh, Derek, Aaron, Pat, along with you on your Daily Flames Roundtable this Friday. Uh, gents, Blake Coleman scores the game-winning goal on Thursday night. A huge one, 83 seconds after Vegas had tied the game 2-2. Uh, he finishes the night with a couple of goals. He also scores a 5-2 goal or a 6-2 goal into an empty net. He's now on pace for 38 points this season. He's at 16 goals, 16 assists. 38 would be a brand-new career high for Blake. Are we talking enough about the quietly strong second season as a member of the Flames for Mr. Coleman? Well, I think we've talked quite a bit about it on the broadcast, Pat, but maybe not. I mean... Uh, the duo of Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman has been together for most of the season, and that's a duo that I just 
don't see the Flames breaking up. Why would they? You might want to swap the left winger on that line, but why would you break up the centerman and the right winger? And, you know, Blake Coleman's a guy that uh, I think is really important to the team off the ice and on the ice, a guy who obviously has a lot of street cred, so to speak, because he's won a couple of Stanley Cups. But, you know, I had a great chat with him before Thursday's game against the Golden Knights, and, you know, he is willing to be honest and, and tell it like it is. And that's tough for some players to do. But when you want a couple of the championships and you know what it takes to do that, then I think your word goes a long way. So I think he has a huge impact uh, as one of the leaders inside of that dressing room. And on the ice, he's been brilliant. Uh, he's a guy who is almost uh, always uh, doing the right things defensively, almost always on the right side of the puck. You know, he's a great skater, and he's an incredibly smart hockey player as well. And, you know, the offense has been uh, a bonus for him this season. He's been pretty consistent throughout his career, you know, usually scoring uh, you know, between 14 and, and 22 goals and, and putting up points in the 30s. But, you know, this season he's on pace for 19 goals. He's scored 20 twice, so he's got a chance to get there again. And as you mentioned, Pat, 38 points. And, you know, maybe he'll get to 40 for the first time in his career. So, you know, he's been really, really good. And... Uh, just a guy who you can use uh, in any role at any time uh, against anybody. And that's been the great thing about him and Michael Backlund is that, you know, those guys have done a lot of heavy lifting defensively and, and they've still chipped in quite a bit offensively as well. So that's a, a win-win for the Flames. I don't know. For me, guys, I might be Debbie Downer on this, but I think he's just performing as expected. And when you make almost $5 million, you should be a 20-ish goal, 20-ish assist guy that touches at least one aspect of special teams like he does on the PK. For me, the expectation is roughly, you know, any combination of 20 goals, 15 assists, 15 goals, 20 assists, somewhere in that 35 to 40 point range, which he is on pace for. And as you mentioned, Wilsey, he's a two-time 20 goal scorer with the New Jersey Devils, hit 16 last year in his first season with the Calgary Flames, is on pace for 19, as you mentioned. So for me, He's just exactly where he should be. He's one of those players that, in my mind, is a set-and-forget kind of guy. You plug him in on that third line, you let him do his thing on, on the penalty kill, and you expect him to contribute somewhere between 35 and 40 points. That's that's just my take on Blake Coleman. Low-maintenance player who gives you the roughly the same amount of output consistently year in, year out. I think you are being a Debbie Downer. Woo. Not trying to I, be. I also think that's fair. Oh. He is kind of what it is, and, and, and that doesn't change, and... You know, we talked about Michael Backlund yesterday, guys. Well, Blake Coleman's another player who has been consistently consistent for a team yes. that's been consistently inconsistent this season. So there's something to be said about that. Yeah, I, just, I think I think there's value in the fact that he just goes out and does what he does. And yeah. from my perspective, and I'm not inside the room or having conversations with coaches on him, but he's just one of those guys where you just know what the expectation is, and then he just delivers. I it. just think it's it's important to underline that I think first of all, Blake has been exactly what they wanted. There is like, he is, 100%. he has, to me, he has been through two seasons or almost two full seasons as a member of the flames. He has been exactly what Michael Froelich was. You signed him to a free agent deal to come in and play a specific role. And he has played that role exactly how you wanted it to be played. But I think it's important to underline that I think year two has been better than year yes. one. And 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 that is not always something that happens when you're talking about guys in their late 20s and early 30s. And I think there is absolutely something too, as much as we all would have liked the Flames to go deeper in the playoffs, the fact that Blake wasn't playing into... September or July or, you know, the, the, it wasn't playing late and wasn't playing uh, for, for a Stanley Cup. 
and was able to get a little bit more time to rest for a coming season, I think that was important. And and I think it has brought him back even a little bit more refreshed. And I think he has taken a step after what was a really strong year one into a stronger year two. And I think that's really important. And I, so that's the only thing that I want to underline is that I thought Blake was a great player in year one. I think he's even better in year two. And he is probably going to set new career highs for points. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But regardless, he's going to be right around where he always is, to your points, because he is. I like the way you phrased it, Vix. Like, set it and forget it. You know what you're going to get from him. I think Michael Frolik was a perfect set it and forget it type guy as well. Funny enough, a guy who worked really well with Michael Backlund, too. Everybody um, works well with Michael Backlund. But I think Froelich and Coleman are the two guys yeah. that have been the perfect fit and, and have worked the best with him because they just play such similar styles and they approach the game in, in such similar ways. So I just, I, I just wanted to underline that he's on pace for a career high over the age of 30. We talked a lot earlier this hour, Wilsey, about Tyler Toffoli, who's, who's done the, the same thing. But I think in this case, with Coleman, maybe not getting as much love. And I think it's deservingly so, because he's having a hell of a year. And Pat, I give you credit, because I really hadn't thought of the Michael Froelich comparison. But it's actually a great comparison, because they did play on the right side of the same centerman in Michael Backlund. And two very similar players uh, in the way they play the game and the way they approach the game. Although, I would say that... Uh, Blake's a little less superstitious than Michael was. Remember what? how finicky he was oh, yeah. with his equipment, especially his skates. It was actually like fun to watch. I would do like 70 pairs of skates a year. Yeah, and, and the way he had to have the laces just so, it was, uh, must have drove his teammates nuts, but uh, hey, whatever works. Really, I think the guy who we're not giving enough credit to, even though we're giving him a lot of credit, is Michael Backlund because, you know, he's on pace to have a career year as well. And one thing that kind of hit me when you were talking about it on the Flames Talk postgame show, the call-in portion, when I was driving home after Thursday's game against the Golden Knights, and Pat, you were talking about uh, how much you'd love to see the Flames give Michael Backlund uh, a contract extension when they have an opportunity to do so. And I thought, okay, he's turning 34. And by the way, happy 34th birthday today to Bax. Uh, yeah, it's his birthday it's today. It's St. Backtrick Day. Oh no! That was on the text That's line terrible. yesterday. That's not. That's, wasn't even my. It was oh, on the text you say line yesterday. I've got bad puns. It was on the text well, line. Well, it's your name is Patrick, and it's uh, St. Patrick's Day, so really, it's it's your holiday. So you can do whatever you want with it, Pat. But Michael Backlund's on pace for a career year as well, and he's healthier this year than he's been in a long time. Remember, it was probably four or five years ago when he would always have maintenance days. Yeah, he had a core issue he was dealing with. Yeah, and, and and that was something that he battled through for a couple of seasons, but he takes such great care of himself off the ice. You know, for the last few seasons, he's been really healthy, and, and he's played in every single game this season, and, and he's having a career year and doing a great job with and without the puck. So, you know, he's a guy who we've uh, given plenty of props to, but uh, uh, probably still not enough with the season he's had. Thank you, Wilsey. Okay, have a great weekend, everybody. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Pat. Thank you. Thank you very much. It is my day. I get two days a year, my birthday and today. I don't actually believe that. Uh, he, I'm not Irish. He is Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. I'm Patio Steinberg on this St. Patrick's Day 2023. Uh, that is our Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. 
I did say I would tell you my biggest day. Yes. On the St. Patrick's We've Day. got it now? Yeah. Okay, I'm, hit me. I'm, I've got the green shoes on today. I've got the uh, the green, white and green Air Forces, and I've got the green T-shirt on today. Somebody decided to play along on this program. Yes, <clears> yes. On the radio names. platform, the listeners are disappointed. They can't see me in green. I just think it speaks to your commitment. That's all I'm, that's all I'm saying. I'm only committed to you, Patrick. Okay. Only committed to you. I'll take that. So in 2018, I did a, a trip to Ireland, and to this day, I kick myself that I went to the, the Guinness storehouse um, in, uh, in Dublin. Uh, it was, uh, so it was our last, our last stop was, um, was, was Dublin. So flew into Dublin, d- drove around Ireland for two weeks, and then we uh, finished in Dublin. So we went to the Guinness storehouse, which is awesome if you're ever in Ireland. It actually is. It's not cliche. Go. It's awesome. It's shaped like a big Guinness uh, glass. And um, But at the end, there's all the merch. And I bought a Guinness shirt. And I was thinking at the time, I'm like, you know, I should probably buy a green one too. But I bought like a brushed red, pinkish kind of Guinness shirt. It's a really nice shirt. Love it. Wear it to this day. There was a green one in the same style, brushed green. I still kick myself that I didn't get it because it would have been the perfect perfect St. Patrick's Day shirt, and I, I I I didn't get it, and it's one of the few regrets I have in life. I'll never live it down because they don't make it anymore. I can't get it. Devastated to this day. I don't think you should be so hard on yourself for not buying something that would be a novelty one day of the year. You could wear it all year well, round. Don't get me wrong. All year round. It's a nice but, shirt. But don't kick yourself because you didn't buy a green one because now it's St. Patrick's Day. I just, I, I, you can't wear the red one. It's not green. Just not wear anything green at me, all. Frustrates me to this day. Or I could be a killjoy and not wear anything green at all. That's what I'm known for most is <laughs> is being a killjoy. You uh, you outed me on that one. Uh, he is uh, Aaron Vickers, who does not get an Irish name today. I'm, <laughs> I'm Pat Steinberg. Hopefully, Hypothetically, what would you give me? Because well, it doesn't really script. work. Look at the script. Oh, sh- for real? I did. I did them all. Um, uh-huh. Patio Steinberg, Aaron McVickers. McVickers. That Mc- works. Aaron yeah, McVickers. I'm okay with that. Cameron O'Hughes and Taylor Doyleman. I couldn't come up with one for Taylor Dingman. It was a hard one to do. Uh, It is time to wrap up this hour with your Flames Talk Best Bets, brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. We went one and two with our best bets on Thursday. William Carlson did get a point, so he went over half a point in Vegas' loss to Calgary, but we missed on both our shot props. Thanks to Roman Yossi for not going over three and a half. So he missed. Also, Trevor Moore, the Kings missed over two and a half. So we're down to five and four on the week. Want to finish strong on St. Patrick's Day? I've got two for you. So I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to cop out. I'm not going to guarantee myself a 500 week. I could go under 500 because I've got two on this Friday. I'm going Patrick Line over two and a half shots versus Anaheim. So Line of the Blue Jackets over two and a half shots and Kevin Hayes of the Flyers over two and a half shots versus Buffalo. So Line over two and a half shots. Hayes over two and a half shots. That'll wrap us up this hour uh, for Cam, for Taylor, and for Vickers. I'm Pat. Thanks to Wilsey as well. Uh, this hour wrapping up, and that'll do it for our Flames Talk Best Bets. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.